make sure I don't knock me banner. Uh, <laughs> so hi everyone and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. Today I have someone who I actually quite look up to, although I don't like to tell them that. Um, a guy called Danny Inman, someone who is very, very active in the property market um, the property investment and development space. Um, guarantee there'll be quite a few gems you can pull from this session. Really knowledgeable, straight-talking guy. Um, the leader of the Prosperity Network, a network that I'm part of, which... Um, let's just change my... Sorry, Danny, I wanted it on split screen. Let's just wait. Sorry. Right. Let's just change this. You know, when it's got both of us, that's the one. I don't even know how to do that. You heard of me, mate. There you go. So they can just edit that part out. Um, so yeah, he's the leader of the Prosperity Network, a network that I'm part of, which for me, got to be the best out there. Um, I have looked at other people's content. Yeah, for me, it's top, top draw. Um, at one point, I think he has sold some, but at one point he had about 400 HMO rooms, is my understanding. Um, around about 25 million in development, either being developed or due to be developed going through planning. So I think he talks the talk, but he also walks the walk, I think it's fair to say. So um, so welcome, Danny Inman. Thanks, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. 350 rooms we got to at our peak. So. <laughs> yeah. Potato potato, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> um, so thanks you for coming on, Danny. I know you're a very, very busy man. It's been lots of plates, so I appreciate your time today. Um, like I mentioned, I think there'll be a lot that people can take from this session. I'm sure you'll drop some bombs and some gems uh, throughout. So, um, so yeah, so what we like to do, Danny, is we like to talk about people's lives and the, the experiences that they've had throughout that and the lessons that they've learned to hopefully inspire and motivate other people. Um, maybe he's going on your favourite word on their journey. Um so um, if you broke your life up into three different parts, Danny, so the start, the middle and the current, the start would typically be um, your upbringing and how you got into property and the field that you're in. The middle part would be the exciting part, the growth and all the big things that you've achieved. And the current is obviously where you are now. So could you give us like a brief sort of overview of each of those parts, Danny, and, and sort of your, your lessons learned throughout? Yeah, I'm on my journey. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a uh, yeah, pre pre property, um, nothing really exciting to be honest. I, I I kind of fell into property a little bit, but very working class background. Uh, Mum was a secretary, dad worked in a warehouse. Um, no real business experience in the family, no entrepreneurialism. Um, mm. The history of doing very simple working class, honest jobs. Uh, in, in our family. So I've kind of broke the mold a little bit on an entrepreneurial level, uh, completely accidentally, although I think there were were signs as a kid of me doing dodgy deals, selling, um, well, like anyone, selling sweets in school and, and cig cigarettes in school and then moving on to Von Dutch hats and Burberry bikinis at college and, and just various things like that 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 I always liked to make a little bit of money growing up as a kid, but didn't really realize it was going to end up as a business. I, my, my original background is rugby league. I signed professionally as a rugby league player at 15 on very good terms for a 15-year-old. Um, 
I always called it God's curse, made me very good at something I didn't particularly enjoy that much. Um, and I could see a lot of the guys retiring at 35, which is my age now, funnily enough. And, and they were going on then to um, train to be plumbers or they were going back into normal careers and really struggling having spent 10, 15 years getting their bodies battered and then heading back into jobs. And they've not really set themselves up for the rest of their lives. And I just thought I didn't want to get my body battered in something I don't really enjoy that much to to then have to start a new career at the age I am now. So went into the formal education route, did pretty well at school, quite academic, um, quite fortunate that I didn't really have to work that hard at school to do okay academically. Um, so I ended up going to the University of Manchester uh, Mum was very proud of me. Um, first, first one of us really to go through university and 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 get through university. Um, and I had a graduate uh, scholarship with Lango Rock, a big engineering company, and then realised I didn't want to do in engineering either. So I, I realised that very very quickly uh, post graduating. Didn't do, didn't finish my master's as a result because I realized that I didn't want to do that either. So I'd started two things on a career level that I exceeded expectations at and done very well, but hated both. <laughs> so kind of at that point in time, kind of fell into a bit of a sticky situation uh, mentally that I, I just thought, God, I've, I've found two things I'm great at, but I've not done very uh, well. I've done very well, but I've decided I don't like either. I, am I ever going to find anything that I enjoy? Which in hindsight, looking back at 21, 22 year old me worrying about if I'm ever going to find anything I enjoy was yeah. probably ridiculous, but you, you don't think that at the time. So, so yeah, that, that was pre-property. Um, Simple upbringing, into rugby, which is a very northern thing to do. Did well at rugby, decided I didn't want to do that. Then into education. So I disappointed my dad by walking away from rugby. Then I disappointed my mum by not using my degree to full <laughs> to its full potential. So 22 yeah, years old. On that, Danny, do you think anything that you learned from rugby, maybe it's a discipline or anything like that, all your... The graduate position do you think you, you you've carried anything from that into the businesses that you're involved in now or do you think any of those sort of benefited you in any way yeah I think some of it benefited me and some of it worked against me I think the one big thing that worked against me was I breezed through life as a young person I was very very capable very fortunate in some respects to be so capable and when I hit a challenge i.e something I didn't really like I wasn't used to not both being great at it, enjoying it and getting a load of recognition. So it probably caused me a bit of trouble having things coming that easy as a, as a young person, just purely on an ability level. Um, but it worked for me, and it's certainly in the degree area, and to a degree in property, because, um, sorry, in property, in rugby, because I, I managed to work hard at something I didn't particularly like. So then once I went into an area that I did like, it was much Found easier thing. Yeah. yeah, much easier to work hard effectively. And it, it no longer felt like hard work because it was something I enjoyed. So I think working hard in an area you don't necessarily love um, makes it easier when you find that thing that you particularly enjoy or particularly strikes with you to, to work hard or, or put the extra effort in. Like everyone always comments on how busy we are, how 
hard I'm working, but it don't really feel that way. I know I'm busy, but I enjoy it. So mm. there's a different kind of feeling to it, I think. Um, I say this to a lot about education, formal education. I think formal education is very broken because it teaches people how to pass tests. It doesn't really prepare them for life, but the, I, I would never say that I wouldn't go to university. I would do the same thing again because it, A, socially was fantastic, obviously. You got, got to see a lot of different things at university you wouldn't see otherwise. Um, did they come back a bit, did they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then secondly, just because it did teach you to have some self-discipline that, you know, applying yourself in an area it always pays off ultimately in some way. So yeah, I think, I think that was the one big learning there. Um, so that was pre-property basically. That's, that's largely uh, my journey pre-property. Great. Great. Class. And then how did you, I've heard this story, but I think some people might not. So how, how did you then get started into property? Did you stumble into it? Courses? How did you get into it? No complete accident. So um 2009 November 2009 I'll, I'll never forget I um I'd kind of hit that weird crossroads in life where I'd done two things given them both up and I was I was delivering Chinese takeaways to be honest um and my amateur rugby chairman sent me along with his son to a, just a property training I think he it was a effectively a plus one I was the plus one ticket to a two-person uh, property training that his son was already going to and he had done a couple of years previously. Um, so, yeah, that, that was it. I, I basically got an introduction. Do you want to go to this? They could probably see I was at a loose end and, and kind of looking for something. Um, it just struck with me very simply that I'll never forget that weekend because I'm a, I like numbers and I like people and that's a good 90% of property yeah, is, yeah. is numbers of people. So I, I could see logic. Um, I could see the way the market works, everything that they were saying kind of resonated with me at that point in time. Um, and I knew nothing. I honestly, my property knowledge was mum had a mortgage. She paid it. Like that was the extent of my, my knowledge in property knew right. nothing never read any books it was just literally that was the catalyst that and would you say you were hooked from that point that that was you yeah yeah I you know I, I think mentally at that point in my life I needed something to hook onto and I was fortunate that it was that that I hooked onto I, I became very addicted um in a positive way to to property and the market and you know, again, another fortunate was timing. It was 2009. We'd just come out of the crash, you know, the, the, the readily available stock. And it, it, it was just a good timing. It just felt like stars aligned effectively. Um, I'm not a massively spiritual person in any way, but if you could have picked a, a time when I needed something like property, it was definitely at that point in my life. So, um yeah, it was it was just great on that perspective, it, and haven't looked back since. I've not, you know, I've I've been pretty consistently in in property since, and kind of had full faith and convinced myself I was going to make it happen, which a lot of people would have thought was ridiculous. And and to be fair, a lot of my friends voiced how ridiculous I was being, um, delivering Chinese takeaways six nights a week, and and telling everyone I was a property investor for the uh, seven days a week. So. Yeah, in, in, in hindsight, you know, it, it, it's worked out all right. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's definitely worked out <laughs> all right. So were you, just to clarify, so you were, apart from doing the takeaways, were you, have you been full-time now since 2009? 
Yeah, the only other job I've had is takeaway delivery uh, service. Yeah, or uh, I'm sure there's a posher name you can come up for takeaways. Um, <laughs> yeah. hot, hot food distribution operator or, or something like that. But yeah, yeah that, that was... CEO as well, Norman. You know, everyone's a CEO <laughs> yeah. on LinkedIn, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, CEO of takeaway delivery. Yeah, that was my. Yeah. Um, no, 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 that's fair. Like, and I think I think you've said on a few of your posts, like everyone sees the success now, but they probably don't know, or they certainly don't think about where you know that it was sourcing yeah. it, it by itself, wasn't it? At the start, you didn't buy for eighteen months, is when I yeah. when I dig in doing takeaways on the side, but now they see these huge multi-million pound developments. It didn't go from the course to that did it it didn't it didn't get your financial freedom in seven days you know i don't think that that's that's oh, God. Yeah, i don't know i mean I, every, everyone that follows me on any social media will know i uh i take great enjoyment in poking that that part of our industry the the get rich quick mentality i i am um, I think the big thing for me is I delivered takeaways for 18 months and i sourced for 18 months i didn't buy a property as you've mentioned for 18 months and and it would have been very easy for me to go and get a job at that point in time that didn't allow me the time of day to go and do property in the day, but paid me more money, had a better view from other people on the job that I was doing or like, you know, wouldn't have got me laughed at as much as it did then. You know, I can vividly remember I, I'm a rugby league playing guy from Warrington and, and here, you know, it's eat or be eaten. You, you, you get a load of shit for everything. So as somebody who's delivering Chinese takeaways, as someone who was a good rugby player, did well in his degree and then ends up delivering Chinese takeaways, my, my rugby playing mates took great uh, joy in absolutely ripping the, the urine out of me. So, <laughs> yeah, brutal, absolutely brutal. But, but it, yeah, it, it's, you know, I look back on that time and I did what I needed to do in that point of time. And a lot of people just aren't willing to make what is a relatively short-term sacrifice mm. for the benefit of the long-term um, because, because they want or feel like they need it to be so quick. And it's not quick, you know, mm. property, we say it all the time, three to five years minimum, you're gonna to have to put in some work to get in a reasonable position where for most people it could replace their job. I was very fortunate. I had no expenses at the start. And, you know, the job I was replacing was a Chinese takeaway delivery service that wasn't incredibly well paid. Um, and even then, you know, after that transition, I lived in a two bed house. I had my office in the front living room and I rented out the second bedroom. And, you know, that, that covered costs. And, and then, you know, it, it's so progressive, but, you don't go from a twenty from from a twenty one year old delivering Chinese takeaways to I'm, I'm thirty five years old now. For, you know, and everyone now looks at the nice cars, nice house, holiday homes, all of that. But you know, anyone can have it. Just do what I've done. I say this to everybody: do what I've done, you can have what I have. It's as simple as that. But for most, it's not as simple as that. So it's uh, well, or they're not prepared that, to make the sacrifices that I think. I think in this yeah. country now, unfortunately, and elsewhere, I don't know if you shared this, someone shared this about people have a sense of entitlement now, don't yeah. they? Um, massively, but we could do a whole podcast on that. So let, let's let's pull it back a little bit. <laughs> I think people want to know more about your, your journey. Um, yeah. so, um, so that was this start, so humble beginnings, 
pro sports, um, doing things that you didn't enjoy, and then you found your hoop, you found your passion, you found the thing that you loved doing it and, and, and to do. Um, so that middle section, so you've went from that to where you are now, which is quite far apart, I would say. Um, so tell us some of the highlights of that middle part and if there's anything, any real sort of catalyst that boosted your career and your, your portfolio and things. Yeah, I think I think there's a few key points when when I look back. Um, it's hard to have regrets, but one thing I think I did was I sourced for a little bit too long. I I, mm. I, I was very comfortable in other people taking the risks. I get a little fear. You buy the property, it's the risk you buy a property, and and now I look back and I look back at some of the properties in Warrington that I sourced for fifty grand, fifty five grand, and I, I, it's easier to do in this market, obviously when it's red hot and. There's one I put up the other day and it's like, I think I sourced it for 52 grand. It's on the market for 125 grand now, you know, 10 years down the line. And, and that's what property is. You spend enough time in the market, you feel the benefits. And um, so, so if anything, from a regret level, I sourced a bit too long. And obviously in our position, you shouldn't overly have regrets. But in if I look back at it, I'd say... I sourced it too long. I could have raised private money. I could have done more deals earlier when the market was was very, very favorable. And that was probably a tipping point for me, confidence in using other people's money. Um, and I know it, it gets thrown around other people's money and how, how people will have a go at you using other people's money. You have no experience, blah, blah, blah. So maybe the time benefited me because I've proven myself in the market. I proved that I was doing good deals. That probably worked for me a little bit. Um, but yeah, that was a key point for me. Confidence in using other people's money and confidence in taking the risk of buying myself. So I think one of the big things, one of my biggest fears is comfort. Uh, and I, I feel it often. I, I, there's some mornings, I think there's a, there's a few famous boxers that say it's very difficult to get up and train when you're when you're sleeping in uh, silk silk covers. And uh, oh, is, it, is this an exclusive? Danny Emin has silk covers. Is it? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't on purpose. The track must be uncomfortable. Sleep on a bed of nails. Um, right, okay. But no, it's true. It's true. As as you get a better life and a better passive income, for want of a better term. Um, and you know, as you start to tick off things on your goal board and your dream board, your motivation starts to waver a little bit. So comfort has always been something that I'm very acutely aware of. And I, I, I look out for a feeling of that in myself. Um, if I start to feel motivating dropping or motivation dropping, sorry, in me, it's, it's usually because I'm comfortable. And, and I have a conscious switch in me that I need to be aware of that and I need to look into whether I need to change that in any way. And, and you know, being aware of that quite early was with regards to sourcing. When I sourced so many deals, I was comfortable taking two or three grand worth of fee, but not stepping up in risk profile to take the risk to be the one buying it, to be the one having to manage the refurb, you know, to take that additional responsibility that, that comes with success. If you want a lot of success, you've got to take on a shitload of responsibility and you're going to take on a shitload of problems. And, and I think the avoidance of that is, is a big problem in success. So I think that very early, 18 months in, when I thought, bloody hell, I've made a killing here, you know, sourcing 100 deals, two or three grand a pop, made a lot of money, um, but I've not really took any real risk. And 
to get to the bigger rewards, I think I need to take more risks. And, and that that consciousness of comfort zone was probably at that stage was very good for me. And then it, it scales all the way up. You get very comfortable doing buy to let. So are you going to step up to the next investment profile? Um, I mean, very fortunate as well. And, and probably another key point on, on my timeline is finding a business partner six or seven years ago that's an absolute addict to the, to the game and success and you know, every, you could read every success book and it, it epitomizes his behavior. And, you know, everyone thinks I'm an addict and he makes me look like a, a puppy. And, and that's been great to have somebody that's just got that in them to, you know, when you're having a bit of a shit day or you're having a bit of a challenge or, you know, you lean on somebody who has a different perspective and a different view and, you know, different risk profile, different experiences um so him not just him to be fair a, a huge network a big network that i've had and i've built over time which has now led to the prosperity network um i've always felt that abundance comes from community um and that's always been massive for me so yeah i'd say th those three points awareness of comfort zone importance of having either a business partner mentor coach somebody who's who's there when you're having a shit time because honestly I feel like giving up once a week once a week I have this conversation with myself that what the fuck am I doing it for now I've got I've got enough money I can retire I'm 35 I can live a hell of a life but then you realize that the rewards in overcoming those challenges are actually more gratifying than doing nothing um so yeah so that's a big one and then network strength of network putting yourself around people um who have a similar mindset a different mindset whatever it may be but challenge you in some way to either perform or hold you accountable or whatever it may be i think those those three points are probably pushed me to the point where I am today um, when it would have been quite easy to stop, I think. Wow. Some, no, some gems there. <clears throat> just on those couple of points, just to explore them a bit further. So with the comfort zone thing, I think a lot of people mm -hmm. will definitely be able to relate to that once they get to the first target in property. I'd say that replace their income or 10 properties, isn't it? Everyone I speak to, it seems to be that at the start, doesn't it? But once they get that, some people then do stop, don't they? Or they lose the mojo, they lose the motivation. So from someone who's went from level to level to level or up these levels, what do you do? So you identify it, but then how do you, how do you personally say, you know, I am in the comfort zone. Is it, is it stretch? Is it doing something that you've never done before? Is it a bigger project than you've ever done before? Is it speaking to Nathan? Is it, what, what is it that, that gets you out of the comfort zone? Would you say yeah, a number of different things. I'll probably comment in a couple of ways there because the, the guy I did my training with stopped really early. He hit a certain level, three, four, three, three and a half, four grand a month in income, which is obviously a good level for a lot of people from property. Mm -hmm. And that was him. And I, I think the key with property is it's a vehicle that if you love it, carry on. If you don't love it, let it get you to the point where you can do something that you love. And that was the case with him. He he went and, he went and opened a restaurant. You know, lived the life that he wants on that particular side of things. And and that you know, I had a lot of respect for that because it was kind of like he recognised 
I don't really enjoy property. <laughs> you know, I like what it's done for me. I like what it's given. I, I can leave my job and get away from that. But I don't love it. I, I, I love it. And, and I enjoy the process. I enjoy the challenges. Um, so I think that's important. I think you're one of two people. You know, I think in our industry, there's a big problem with everybody having to pretend they love the hustle. If, if you don't love it, you don't love it. You know, no one can force you to love it. And you just need to do enough to get what you want. And, and that's fine. I, you know, I've coached a lot of people over the years that have got to two, three, four, five, ten grand a month and stopped. And I'm, I'm the, I have as much respect for them, recognizing that that's their limit than the guys who want to carry on and take bigger risks. You know, you and I are probably different. We want to empire, take over the world. And it's not really about the thing. It's about the success in getting the thing. That, that's what I love. I like the development of me as a person in overcoming the challenges to get the thing. Like the things now are just a measure of how well you've done. And if I make 50 grand profit in a deal, then I've done 50 grand's worth of well, if that makes sense. It doesn't mean I'm going to go and spend 50 grand more because yeah. I don't necessarily need 50 grand's worth more of things. So that's a weird transition. I think that's the comfort zone thing as well, that, that if you hit a point and you don't enjoy the process, it's fine that you don't carry on and you go and find something where you enjoy the process. If you do enjoy it, then the way that I keep myself challenged is by recognizing that I measure my success by how well the deal's gone, but I'm not defined by how well the deal's gone because I've had shit deals as well. So, you know, that's part of it. I don't know a good deal if I've, if I've never done a shit deal ultimately. So, you know, it, it's, it's all relative. So that's a big thing. Yeah. I think stretching the comfort zone for me has been possible by uh, enjoying the process more than anything. Fair play. Fair play. Love that. Love that. Give us a couple of other highlights. I want the, I want the numbers. I'm a bit of a numbers person. On the numbers. So you, I know you sent me a, um, a picture of a development which just blew my mind a little bit. I mean, are you happy sharing any of the numbers on the bigger stuff? There's a bit of motivation yeah, for people. Nathan's the bigger stuff. He, he's the driver behind all of the bigger stuff. And, and he, he, he will be a billionaire. I have no doubt in my mind. Really? He has. An, yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and that, that, that's very important to him, that measure of hitting that target on a success level probably matters much more to him than it does to me. I am I get caught in between sometimes behind being this mid, well, not middle-class, working-class guy uh, that's transitioned and now earns, earns a, a lot of money and thinking, Christ, I can't spend a lot of the money that you're earning. You know, I, I look at things in life and go, if you spend more than 15, 20 grand a month, you, you're living a pretty grotesque life in some respects sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But that, that, no, that's my, that's where I've come from, I think. Um, where, so I, I, I hit that level where it's like earning more is a measure, but I don't know if I need to get to that level of a billion pounds. It, it just means everything to him. It's very, very important to him. But on, on gosh, some of the deals that, you know, there's just various stuff going on all of the time. I couldn't tell you how many units live we have on a, on a day-by-day basis because a sale will be agreed, a remortgage will happen, we'll buy something new. It, it's so transient. Um, but my, my favourite deals are the ones where I have to do nothing. Because <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 
it was like the planning game for seeing that. Yeah, yeah. You can't measure, you know, you can have a hundred unit build out development and you can make X million pounds, but the best return on time you're going to get is where you make the most profit for the least time invested. And that's, they're my favorite. We've got a couple of, of planning gains where we, we bought it at 145 grand, exchanged, put planning on it, um, and then sold it for 350 grand. We barely owned it for six months. You know, I, I just love that kind of, that kind of deal because it's in out, profits realized, you, you know, you work out your hourly wage on that kind of deal. And it will be a, a, a 40, 50, 60 flat development, hands down, it, you know, you're spending 20 hours to earn 200 grand. You're a 10, you know, 10 grand an hour employee. It's, it's phenomenal. It's ridiculous when you break it down like that. So, you know, I, I um, they're my favorite. They're my absolute favorite. And if I had a choice, I would genuinely never build out again. Really? Uh, yeah. I think it looks wonderful and you've seen some of the stuff and some of the developments we do and we're, we're doing a hotel now and I'm really proud that that's, that's going ahead. Um, but most of the unknowns happen the longer a development takes and the bigger developments take longer. Mm. You know, so, so you what, remove what's a your, lot. Of what's your longest build time, Danny, on one project? I'd say 18 months, um, 18 to 24 months, like planning is even longer. So, you know, that's just building. We've got one, well, we've got two apps that are two and a half to three years in already. Just in planning. Uh, in planning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Various stages. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm planning reform and all of that. I'm massively behind it for, for many different reasons. Um, you know, we need planning reform. We need, we need housing. So it needs to get easier to deliver housing. Um and that's why I don't know whether I've been uh, I've been battered into it, but in some respects, I, I just like the get in, make your money, get out, and and you know take the quick reward. And it it might be less money. You know, you might make five hundred grand if you develop it out, but to make two hundred grand for ten hours or five hundred grand for a hundred hours, your ROI is better on the on the smaller amount. You <laughs> know, so it's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I return on time invested. My best deals have taken the least time to make the most money, and and that's that's kind of my metric. But the the bigger stuff obviously looks sensational, and the story of the development from a knackered grade two listed build into an incredible conversion. Yeah, it looks great on Insta, um, but you uh, yeah you earn a few more scars on on that kind of stuff because yeah. the timeline is the challenge, you know. So. Yeah, that, that's a learned thing from me. I would have said five years ago that, yeah, I, I love the big stuff and I love converting it and love putting out these beautiful buildings. Um, yeah, let someone else have that. you think you went to a full years. circle on that? Because as, you, as you're starting off, you're chasing, well, me personally, I'm chasing the bigger stuff. I'm always looking at that bigger stuff. But then when you got to the bigger stuff, did you find yourself almost coming back round to, I probably want less hassle? And you, have you found that, that you've sort of came back round? Yeah, I think um, return on time. Uh, everything I judge is return on time. I, I, yeah. Everything, everything. And, and I would view a deal better if I'd made more money per hour, even if it was a less capital sum. I, I, that's, that's my judgment on really it. So, enough. yeah, it's, it's, an, it's probably an alien way to some people because they would rather go through it and make 100 grand more. And that's fine. 
just I, I don't need that hundred grand extra that much that I will go for because I can do three of the deals not building it out in the same time of, of doing one where you are building it out. So yeah, um, listen, we'll, we will continue to build out. I'm sure we will. Um, but for most of our developments now, I'll have a little fish where I'll put my, uh, when we get planning, I'll put the bait in the water and see if anyone bites. And if somebody bites at a good price, then yeah, we, we don't have to be the one that builds no. it. We'll be for them too. Fair play. Fair play. Love that. Thanks, Danny. Um, so if we're looking at right now then, um, mm. so what's next? For you then what 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 is your attention on right now yeah well i mentioned the hotel we're doing an apart hotel um some model i'm pretty excited about i think uh small boutique apart hotel blocks you know the, you get the odd airbnb individual apartment or one or two apartments in a block and you know they probably they probably do fine but i don't know many full blocks that are going to be, you know, we're going for high-tech, experience-based, high-end, high-specification um, in very good areas, uh, central areas. So this is a 21-unit apart hotel. Um, and we're just trialling this one. We're potentially trialling another one in West Yorkshire, 16 units. Uh, and it's a model that I think if it goes well, we'll, we'll run in... Other, other major cities um, were quite keen to run with that. I think it's got massive legs. I think it's um, a bit untapped uh, at the moment, um, but gathering a lot of pace. I know you're doing some serviced accommodation yourself and in, in, in tour, high tourist areas. We're going more central mixture of work and tourism. Um, but, you know, I think people are, Airbnbs took off because people want a whole unit and they want the flexibility to do what they want, maybe cook in, in their Airbnb. And that, that's gone incredibly well. Um, I think there's a middle ground that we're trying to tackle where professionals on a three to five day will get high-end, well-looked-after well units, but we'll give them the flexibility to eat out, eat in, and, and do as they please. So... Yeah, we'll see. I'll keep I'll keep you updated on that one. But yeah. we, we bought that. We bought it very well. We, we bought it for five hundred and fifty thousand. Um, I could sell that building today for a million quid. Um, wow, comfortably. Yeah, and I was uh, timing. Timing is everything in property. So timing and time in the market, and we timed that one very very well. Um, yeah, so it's a it's ground floor restaurant, very nice restaurant, great great occupants there. Ground floor ground floor bar, um, there's a lovely bar, and again great tenants there. Um, and then we're going to have 21 service departments on the upper floor. So I'm excited about that because it's new. That that's the thing for me. Um, the the good thing about property is it can become a cookie cutter at every level. You know, rinse and repeat, buy to let, rinse and repeat, and then every buy to let starts to look the same. HMO, rinse and repeat, and then all of your HMOs start to look the same. So, you know, boredom can cross over with comfort zone a little bit, where it's I'm bored of. You know, imagine being bored of buying buy to let houses, but you people do end up in that position. I'm pretty yeah, sure you're probably yeah yeah that's exactly it, Danny. I've, I've felt that. That's why I was asking about yeah. the comfort zone because I. I, I sometimes do get there myself. For me, I normally yeah. just I speak to someone like I, I try to speak to someone who's doing more than me yeah. because that's normally ignites a bit of a fire in me to think, well, you know, look what he's doing. I'm not doing well anymore. 
But if I speak to 10 people and I'm doing the best out of all of them, you feel like you're the man. But if you go and speak yeah. to people who are doing a lot more, for me, that is a way that I've just got, got past that comfort zone thing. And I agree with the, yeah. the apart hotel thing. Yeah, we do not, nothing on your side, but it's, an, it's a nine bed one. It, it, I'm with you. I think Airbnbs, it ain't going anywhere, is it? Let's be honest. I don't no. think it's going to, people are going to, there's not going to be lack of interest anytime soon, is there? If not, if anything. No. Yeah, post post COVID and all of that, we, we'd expect a huge, and we are expecting. You're already seeing a, a huge bounce back on that front, and I'm expecting it on every level: economy, um, industry, providing people get comfortable working again. That that will be a, will be a challenge, I think, uh, post furlough furlough scheme. But um, yeah, no, I think we we back it in a, in a big way. So for me, it's it's something new over something bigger. I would say, you know, once you start doing a lot of big it's stuff, it's exciting like, again, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just something new, unknown, more more learning. I love to learn. I love, I like to, you know, I learn from somebody every day, and I think that staying open to that is really really important. Um, a big part of why we have the network and why we do things like this is. Speaking to people like you, I learn as much as as you do. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, a, a, a thing that's new, I like. I, I like new things. So that, that's that's a big one for us. Um, yeah, just same on, ongoing, different different yeah. stuff. We 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 back the high street, so we're doing quite a bit on the high street, converting bigger retail units down to smaller retail, putting residential above. Um, even pre-COVID, you know, we predicted the high street was already changing and, and COVID's just put a fast fast forward on that. So, you know, we all of the, this that's happening now where uh, local councils and planning reform are pushing people towards living back in the town centre and the high street's going to become more experience-based shopping, you know, bohemian with butcher baker candlestick maker people you've got to go in and see like artisan markets basically but on the high street that's that's where i think we've been going a while warrington town center is a prime example of this the the town center with the big retail was dead monday to friday then you opened an artisan market on saturday sunday and it's absolutely heaving it's like it it seems obvious that you just need to move that full time that experience based uh, shopping onto the high street but to do that, it needed to be smaller units, which is which is what we're doing. We're chopping bigger retail down into smaller retail units, putting resi above, which will bring people back into the high street. Um, my opinion now is that the high street is going to get a, a rebirth over the next three to five years. And then we'll be worried about retail, outside retail on, so retail parks. I think they've got a big problem coming the next three to five years because they took off because everyone moved out of the town centre to go shopping convenience-based. Now convenience-based is Amazon, so everyone's going to come back into the town centre for experience yeah. shopping and do all of, their, all of their retail convenience shopping on Amazon. And, and yeah, I, I, think that, I think retail parks are going to be the next big challenge. Mm-hmm. I can see uh, home builders knocking them down and, uh, and starting again with houses. Well, that, that, my next question was going to be, you know... <laughs> I will have a laugh calling it Mystic Dan online and stuff because you do kind of predict these things happening. You'd be right so far. My next thing was going to be, my next question was going to be, what do you see next? But you've kind of answered that. So that's interesting um, about the retail parks. For yeah. sure. And the airport hotel stuff, you know, I, I suppose you, you're putting your attention and your money into that. So that's, you no, know, just follow Dan. Just follow Danny. That's, yeah. 
That's what some people should do. Yeah, if I was wondering what my next strategy would, strategy would be earlier on, I would be looking in and around the high street and on the outskirts of town centres. That, that was being... It is our model, but we're taking bigger retail, even smaller retail shop with top. If even if it's just one top, I I think that there's there's growing scope in that market, um, and obviously the commercial market on a rental level has been walloped in the last year because of COVID and non-paying tenants. Um, you know, we've had a couple of cases of tenants that, that weren't paying pre-COVID that have have leveraged COVID a little bit, let's say. Um, I think what COVID's done is the good tenants have survived and it will be a natural clear out of the ones that were, weren't uh, viable anyway and the high street's changing. So yeah, that'd be, that'd be where I'd be fishing, definitely. Mm. Interesting. Thanks, Danny. Just a couple more questions. Um, so the podcast video series is called The Rags to Riches Show. So what does being rich mean to you because you can be rich in loads of different parts it's not just monetary is it you know you can be rich in friendships yeah. relationships time there's loads of things but what does it mean to to you um for me wealth comes from my faith in myself i think i i i have full belief that I could start from zero and still do better than most people. And, um, you know, that's without, uh, it sounds horrifically arrogant. I don't, I don't mean to be arrogant. I just have faith in the fact that the way we've done a lot of things is the way that you're supposed to do things. Mm. Um, and not that complicated, you know, work like a bastard, network like mad, be willing to take some risk, um, look to create win-wins. Uh, these are all the key things that I've always tried to do, belief in abundance. And I think I can transition to almost any industries. Obviously, I can, I can sell pretty well, I think, and, and that's a, a big part. But I always deliver a product that I believe in when I'm selling it. Um, so I think that, you know, integrity and all of those various things. So I think that's... You know, I probably class that as rich, going from having bugger all knowledge and experience to being reasonably knowledgeable, but having full faith in my own ability to give myself a life that I want and my family a life that I want and all of that. Um, I'd say that, uh, for me, that's wealth, I think. Class, love that, love that. We've had a real, um, but huge differences in the answers to that question. Really, oh, really? Yeah, ma massively different, so it's an interesting one. Um, I, I agree. Rich is what it's it's individual to the person, isn't it? It means something different. Some people just yeah. want can be rich in time. That's all they want. They want loads of time off. Like your friend who got what he wanted from property, and then he's he's off doing his thing. Um, okay, cool. Um, if anyone wants to find you, what's the best way to reach out, Danny? Is it socials? What's the best? Yeah. Way? Social, yeah, yeah. Danny and property on. On pretty much any social, we uh, we believe in socials massively. We engage a lot on social. It's pretty much always me you'll speak to when you're uh, when you're sending messages. As much as it pisses my wife off that I'm texting and messaging at all hours, um, you know, somebody I always say somebody gave me time at the start, and as a result, I'm going to do the best I can to give people time. So, yeah, Danny and property on any any socials that you can 
can think of. Great. Just, just actually one other question that just came was about about social media. No, you are active on it, quite active too. They posted here, which I love. There's loads of just funny ones and memes, and you're putting the world to rights and stuff about um, other financial education companies, which I quite enjoy. Uh, those posts. Um, why are you so big on social media? Oh, sure. I, you know, I just put a post up today, and it was four years since I came on Instagram uh, today, and oh, that's. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, really. I, and at the time, I was a complete caveman. I, I, when my my missus used to always be on Instagram, and I used to say, "Oh, you scrolling again? Or, what the what are the Kardashians up to now?" And that's what I used to love: <laughs> Kardashians, and there's nothing serious. Mm. And then just a couple of people were saying a couple of things, or I've met this person. We were messaging on Instagram, and I started to see like some value of connections. Really, it was about connections for me. You know, this person had met this person. They'd never spoke to them before, but they commented on a post, and I thought, "Oh shit, there's there's some power behind this here that that it's forming." And because I've always believed in network, but I was the old school way. I'd go to a networking event, I'd go to a business event, I'd speak to everybody, I'd get a load of business cards, and da da da. And then when I sat back and started to really engage with social, I just thought, "Christ, this is like networking on steroids. It, it it's phenomenal." Um, and as long as you engage with it, it's so powerful. You know, the posts I put up today, we've raised millions in angel finance. I bought a place in Dubai. I, I, I met the agent through Instagram. He invited us out to Dubai. We were buying through that agent. Um, I've passed him a load of business since then through Instagram. Um, we've bought property. We've sold millions of pounds of property through Instagram. It's, it's just been like, it's been incredible. But, you know, I've ended up in random 50 million pound mansions in 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 places it's just crazy and it's that six degrees of separation thing um but it's pointless if you don't engage and i think that's the problem with most people on social media is they they put a post out one post out it doesn't get a million comments and likes and they think oh shit it doesn't work with social media um we've been very cons i've been consistent i've posted every day for four years um and you know that that epitomizes success for me is just consistently doing the shit that mm. other people won't <laughs> or don't want to or will give up on very early. Um, so yeah, a, a good time to ask that question four years in because we've gone. I didn't, I didn't actually see the post, yeah. but yeah, that, yeah. That's, that, that's amazing. And am I right in saying you? I think you just said that you've raised millions from social yeah. media alone. People contacting you on there, reaching out, seeing what you're doing. Yeah, people I know, people I don't know, you know, and again, that's the thing with social media is people mentally restrict it to, I only know these people, none of them have got money at the moment. But, you know, I always view social media as planting seeds for the future. So I'm working with a mate at the moment who's just done incredibly well in his business, sold it for millions. When I came onto social media four years ago, he wouldn't have even entered my mind as a potential person. But he contacted about six months ago, said, about to sell my business, I've done pretty well, been following you for a year, two years, I've seen what you're up to, is there any way I can get involved? So, you know, every post is a seed and it will take to the right person at the right time. But if you're not posting at the right time for that person to see it, they don't, they don't take the bite. So yeah, consistency has been, has been good 
for us consistency and then engaging on the back of it not every post goes well some flop some go really well um you know i like to have a joke i don't take it too seriously you know as you've mentioned you, you enjoy the ones taking the piss out of other education companies they they probably don't like them so much but you know it's all fun and jest and, and fun fun and games and you know I'm, I'm very open to having the pee taken out of me i enjoy it i i, I think um everybody certainly at the moment you can be at risk of taking everything a bit too seriously and mm. social media is an opportunity to show everybody there's different sides to you um and certain people will resonate with different things some like that you have a joke some don't like it some like that you show great numbers some don't like the numbers you've just got to be a, a bit varied in your approach i think mm. i love that and I, think that's really, I think it's really powerful that and I think for people listening or watching, like, yeah, I feel anyway, you have to just embrace this social media thing that, you know, exactly. loads of people think, and me included for a certain period, I don't put myself out there too much. What are people going to think? What they're not going to think? I'm only going to get slated online and all these things that go through your mind. But you just said it there. You can never please anybody. You could have the best posts in the property education world and you would, someone will always slate you. Someone will always have a problem. And people are loving it also. So, so I've just trying to part of the reason doing the podcast and the video series and everything else I'm doing. I do that in my financial services business, but I'm going to just put myself out there on as many platforms as possible, pump out as much content because you're right. It will hopefully help and educate other people. I can have a laugh doing it. Yeah, you'll have no issue with it. You'll have no issue. But the, the two things I will always say on social media is, your um, social media isn't the problem. It's people's views of what social media is that's sometimes the problem. It's just a medium. Um, and as long as you are real, that's so important and open, that's really important. You know, I, I get into debates on social media, but I'm willing to listen to the other side and consider their points and I will present my side accordingly. Whereas, you know, other people might just delete a post that's having a pop at them. Mm. no point if, if what you're posting is real and it's the truth you can't argue with real and the truth <laughs> so and, and that's always you know yeah, if someone so comes on and says financial freedom in seven days that's very open to be argued about because it's 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 not impossible nothing's impossible but it's very 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 unlikely so if someone argues with it and you delete posts that say that's not possible or You've not done that with no money. You've used somebody's money or whatever it may be. If it's real, you don't have those concerns. And that, that's always been my, you know, you'll have no issue with that, but that's always been my approach. Everything I present is real. The numbers are real. The deals are real. It's our stock. It's our sale. It's our challenges. It's our losses. You know, it, it, I can give you the real story behind all of it. If you start mm -hmm. posting stuff just to look good and you exaggerate, then you're going to get caught out and you deserve to get caught out. <laughs> Simple as that. So, you know, it's on you. You've got to own what you put up there. And uh, yeah, you, 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 you have no challenges at all, but others do and they deserve their challenges as a result. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Love that. I think that's a really powerful way to end. And um, just thank you again, Danny. Honestly, reach out with this guy. Knows his stuff. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, mate.